right. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening to Not So Giant Women with Daria and Ivy. Hello there. Another milestone. We're 20 episodes in. You've got a vague title, which so far has been kind of unusual for the show. I would hate to make you guess on so little, but any guesses on what Stephen might coach and coach Stephen? <laughs> this very much seems to me is a Stephen gets an idea in his head episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that never happens, does it? <laughs> and then possibly strangely and or overcommits to it. Hmm. <laughs> well, we'll have to see how that plays out, huh? <laughs> Maybe he decides the gems need coaching in something somehow and humor him. Ooh. <laughs> which is sometimes dangerous. <laughs> yes. Anyway, here we go. I'm going to see what, if anything, Coach Stephen is about to coach. Okay. <laughs> we are the crystal gems. We'll always save the day. We deserve it. Take it like a gem. Uh, what the heck just happened? Drop and give me 20! <laughs> oh. oh, so much to go on here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big one. Coaching is almost a side thing, really. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. Our heroes are on a mission to... Take out a gem electromagnetic communication device, which is putting out interference and, as Garnet puts it, hurting television. <laughs> Second week of gem communication device in a row, might add. Yeah. Uh, individual gems would take far too long to destroy the edifice, so Garnet says they need Sugalite, who turns out to be the fusion of Garnet and Amethyst. Amethyst is dizzily enthusiastic about this. Pearl <laughs> is reticent to the point of looking seriously worried and recommending otherwise, even suggesting Garnet fuse with herself instead. However, apparently whatever Sugalite can do for them, they need Sugalite to do it. And the two merge into a very, very giant woman. Sugalite mm. is a much more rough cut combination of her two component gems than we saw with Opal. She is huge, absolutely dwarfing Pearl and Stephen, who at some points don't even come up past her foot. <laughs> she certainly has more than enough raw strength to start taking out the tower. She combines the weapons, as we saw previously combining weapons, a whip and a staff into a bow. Here we combine a whip and the whole hands into a kind of wrecking ball morning star thing. Yeah. Sugalite, however, appears not to care for who else or what else she's endangering. She's just glad to be herself and smashing things. Stephen gets hit in the head of a rock. It's at this point Pearl <laughs> decides this is too dangerous and takes Stephen back home through the warp pad. While Sugalite simply keeps going to town on the structure. Back home, presumably the next day or at least sometime later, Stephen arrives at Big Donut while the pair seem to be on their lunch break and is showing off his battle damage, which in the event is actually just a small scratch. <laughs> you could take this as some kind of half-gem healing biology or that Stephen is just trying to big up his injuries to look cool. Yeah. Lars and Sadie mock him for this, and just as Lars is mocking Stephen for not being strong, he himself cannot open a jar, which Sadie has to open for him, and then punches <laughs> Lars for his trouble. This is when Stephen gets the idea that they should 
all become strong. Him because he has been thinking that Sugalite is massive and awesome and not just a hugely destructive chaotic force. He suggests to Lars and Sadie, this means that Sadie can beat up Lars whenever she wants and <laughs> Lars won't starve to death if he ever divorces Sadie, which is quick to point out they aren't married. But this pretty much goes to our theory of how Stephen regards any pairs of adults older than himself. Yes. Now, this idea of getting stronger and fitter isn't so bad in itself, but we find out that Stephen is pretty much explicitly trying to do this to emulate Sugalite. He even has pointed sunglasses, which are much like hers, which cover four of her five eyes. Greg builds the gang a makeshift gym on the beach and joins them for the workout. Pearl despairs because Stephen's motivation is to be like Sugalite and Pearl. I think it's safe to say that Pearl is actually scared of Sugalite and what she represents. Sugalite hasn't returned, not as a whole or either a halves yet, and must be said doesn't do so for some time. We get the answer-response song, Strong in the Real Way, in which Pearl sings that she could teach Stephen to be strong in the real way, meaning of a more internal fortitude, spiritual kind. Stephen is singing about getting strong in the real, physically buff way. Lars quickly notes that for all Stephen's coaching, he hasn't actually done any workout himself. He's just been singing some dumb song. <laughs> it appears it's going on for some time. Pearl notes that Amethyst and Garnet haven't returned yet. Doesn't refer to them as Sugalite, whether that's hope that they've separated or that she just simply regards them more as that's who they are than of Sugalite, we don't know. But the training has always been going on for a while because it's become a bit of a thing for Lars, Sadie and Greg but Stephen has already reached the point of being unable to get out of bed of the, of the morning from training too hard. Pearl notes she tried to walk back to the communication structure, but that the warp pad is down on the other end. Sugalite is soon found to be stomping back across the ocean. So take a guess then that she simply destroyed the pad and has had to come back by some other methods, mm. probably the long way around, depending on quite where that pad or the next nearest warp pad was. Pearl tries to persuade Sugalite to separate. She won't. She likes being herself too much and attacks Pearl and the others, mostly Pearl because the others are too busy running away and training and Stephen is, well, Pearl throws the almost unable to move out of delayed onset muscle soreness beyond a little ridge from which he can barely shift his body. Sugalite uh -huh. is pounding on Pearl, who looks very pained. And I think this pretty much answers last episode's question about can gems feel pain? Oof. They've obviously got a pretty good approximation of it this week. Stephen crawls towards a megaphone he's been using to train the gang. And when Pearl is about to give up and simply take being pummeled, he tells her that she's strong in a real way and she can't give up now. She has a second win, leads Sugalite up to the top of a cliff and floats out beyond encouraging Sugalite to try to reach out to strike her. Sugalite instead has part of the cliff crumble beneath her falls to the bottom and her wrecking ball lands on her, separating her back into Garnet and Amethyst. Garnet and Amethyst are their usual selves but are both in a lot of pain and regretting their actions as Sugalite. Pearl feels great for having made this little conquest and being strong in the real way and is up for a mission. The other two, not so much right now. Lars and Sadie just don't know what's going on and Stephen asks them to drop and give him 20. <laughs> 
So yeah, the big news this week is Sugalite. Oh boy. Ooh. And we've learned that not all fusions are created equal. Yeah. Uh, she is more of a chaotic mess rather than a nice clean combination as Opal was. She was a surprise. Yeah. You know, before seeing this, I definitely wouldn't have thought that Amethyst and Garnet together would make someone like her. I guess it's one of those things you can't necessarily predict how everyone's emotions are going to work and you're not necessarily going to get the best parts of everyone. Yeah. You know, there's there's some element of how they influence each other in how they come out. And, you know, I guess I guess we've pointed out before that Garnet and Amethyst can kind of riff off each other sometimes like that that sometimes garnet seems to be a little bit more on pearl's side but other times you know like the main thing i'm thinking of is in steven the sword fighter amethyst is like i'm gonna do it with this gonna eat this cloud and garnet's like go on go on then (laughs) it's like she kind of finds it entertaining to see what kind of ridiculous stunt amethyst might pull so it's almost like she's willing to enable her sometimes and I don't know, it's kind of like it's Amethyst's whims with maybe Garnet's confidence to, to carry him out. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think, because I'm still working on the idea that Garnet has deep and strong emotions that she usually keeps disciplined or in check. Right. And combine not only what you said, but combine those deep emotions with Amethyst's tendency to not keep her emotions in check in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And the... We've seen, it's not been detailed, but we've sort of had it seen that Amethyst, especially in the Wrecking episode, can be a bit of a bruiser and Garnet has a lot of raw power. So Mm. put those together and it really looks like that when we're dealing with fusions that things don't necessarily just combine or double, they might even multiply. Right. They're definitely the two of the team that respect physical power the most. I mean, Garnet has a lot of it and Amethyst is just like, wow, that would kick some butt. So... It makes sense that their sort of idealized form together would would be a bruiser like that. Yeah, and that it is, I think it's safe to say that the way Sugalite is pounding through things, this is more than just Amethysts and Garnet's physical strength combined with each oh. other. It is yeah. many itself many times over. Well, even, even her size, whereas Opal mm-hmm. was probably at a fair guess if you could take a rough guess at her mass. She was probably about the size of the other two put together. Yeah, maybe if like Pearl stood on Amethyst's head, they yeah. might be about that size. I'm not really sure, but yeah. But Sugalite is like huge Godzilla size, Transformer size compared to the other yeah. characters and is from the moment she is formed. I can't tell yeah. if it was just a quirk of animation, but she looked like she was even bigger later on. Mm-hmm. She might yeah. build with rage a bit like the Hulk sometimes does. Yeah, I mean, I guess since we've seen Amethyst get bigger too. Oh yeah, throw in the shape-shifting skills, which Mm -hmm. even if everyone has it as a possibility, Amethyst certainly has the foremost skills and use and practice in that area. Yeah. And personality-wise also, it didn't take much to distract half of Opal and have her just immediately separate. Yeah. Whereas Sugalite is pretty much locked together and determined to stay as herself, she obviously, even if she is made up of Garnet and Amethyst, regards her existence as a, a separate thing. She's not just, she sees herself as more than just a continuation of the other two. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping we'd get to talk about this because the idea of 
fusion identity is really, really interesting to me. It's like fascinating to me that they, they really in this episode highlighted how, how different the fusion can be from the components. I mean, especially considering after she separated and there's Garnet and Amethyst, they don't want to continue anything she was doing. They, they immediately are like themselves. They're not carrying out any of, they're not carrying any of whatever motivated her. They don't want to hurt Pearl. Yeah, and they um, pretty clearly regret their actions or Sugalite's actions. Right. But together they were, they were murderous. They were ready to just destroy her. And I mean, at the beginning, when we first met her, it was sort of this show off. Offy, like, look how strong I am. Look what I can destroy. You like that? Aren't I cool? Kind of thing, which was a little bit charming, if a little dangerous. But, you know, then when she's actually pissed off, she's scary. And in the song, like, Pearl, Pearl says it's hmm? not, be- well, she almost says it's not because I'm jealous. And <laughs> I'm prepared to actually believe her on that because Sugalite seems incredibly dangerous when she's combined. And yes. whether Pearl is jealous or not, I think advising against forming Sugalite is actually a very real concern and good piece of advice. Right. If you don't really know how to calm her down when she's upset, then you, you know, I mean, their house could have been destroyed. It very nearly was. And Sugalite didn't care at all when she knocked the rock onto Stephen. And it turned out this wasn't much, but what if that had been a bigger chunk or something? And she didn't say, oh, sorry, I'll start on the other side, or maybe you guys should move away or something. She just kept going. Right. Right. She just insulted Pearl. She's just like, well, maybe you're just too little. Yeah. She seemed to enjoy those aggressive displays of power. And if somebody else is hurt by them, that's not her problem. So, but the, the identity aspect of it is really interesting what you brought up about how Opal just kind of fell apart as soon as any part of her disagreed. Whereas with Sugalite, it's like she seemed to care about being herself. Like the first thing she said when she formed, she said, I forgot how good it feels to be me like that she it's kind of a scary idea to think like she can't exist unless these other two decide to form her and then you know she has no control over that so when she's got it she's just like i'm gonna stay here I, no i'm not gonna separate and the way she says it to that i'd for, i'd forgotten how it feels to be what it feels to be me that suggests mm-hmm. to me that she doesn't completely not exist right uh, when she's unfused whether it's just as the components of the other two's mind or whether there is some dormant part that is just her that sits in the, sits in a kind of half state in the other two in the interim mm-hmm. suggests that there is she is some kind of almost mind at least aware of her own non-existence exactly mm-hmm. how i don't know and maybe right. it's impossible to know because it's just such a weird thing but she's it obviously is. relieved to be back together it doesn't appear that for her time simply stopped whenever she was last unfused and resumed when she was stuck back together mm-hmm. yeah and that's consistent with what we saw with opal too because opal knew what her mission was she knew what she was about to do she didn't have to sit there and get caught up on what was going on she continued the intentions of her components mm. whereas opal very much seemed like a while she was different in personality she still seemed like a continuation of the other two like when she sung Stephen's song back to him 
Yeah. It was not hard to see how Pearl and Amethyst would make her. She was very, like all the pieces of how she looked, all the pieces of how her her weapon worked and everything about how she acted. You could trace all of them to something pretty specific. I I guess maybe just because they're introducing us to the concept, it would have been confusing to introduce too much about who this third person is as well. But meeting Sugalite, I definitely felt like she was very different from both of them. She was in almost every way. It's definitely not what I would have come up with if I would have been said, here's Garnet and this is who she is. And this is Amethyst. This is who she is. Mash them together and make a combo. Like, I guess I, I was surprised to see that she acted more like Amethyst, I guess. Amethyst, but pissed off. <laughs> but neither of them would have been okay with knocking Steven in the head. No, no, Amethyst wouldn't have been down with that. I mean, she's mean sometimes, but not in a way where you get the idea that she really wants to hurt someone. Yeah, well, that was a pretty active endangerment, at least through negligence, if not outright callousness of Stephen's life, because mm-hmm. as far as we can tell, he's at least at hu- kind of human durability. Mm-hmm. And, well, rocks and humans' heads just seldom mix. Yes, <laughs> Agreed. So, yeah, and her appearance, while it was kind of uneven and looked a lot more feral, for want of a less judgmental term, Opal was like a clean fusion, whereas this is very rough around the edges, very, very, I think I said it before, chaotic. Yes, she had some ripped clothes that are more more obvious than the way that Amethyst has it. Her hair is very unruly. She's got pointy teeth. (laughs) She's got angry eyes. She's got these, yeah, she's got these gloves that look like they're, you know, she's gonna, I don't know, like Garnet's gloves are very sort of almost, they're like these elbow length, I don't know, some combination of elegant and kind of cool. Whereas Sugalites look like punching gloves, like leather gloves. (laughs) You know, she definitely, yeah, appearance wise, she looked Almost like her design might have been based on some of these Japanese monsters. Ah, yeah, I can see that. You know, like some people have said that they thought she looked like that. And I'm sure it was, I don't know, it was surprising, I guess, to me to see that that was how their relationship looks, you know. Another really intriguing thing about Sugalite was how excited Amethyst was to form her. Yeah, she was about to lose her mind. That was a bit weird because obviously they've done her before because Sugalite, otherwise she'd have no concept of forgetting what it's like to be her. So she must have remembered it from some or forgotten it from something. Garnet knew how huge she was. (laughs) So had Amethyst forgotten how horrible Sugalite can, can be? Was it, was the previous occasion not as clear to them how dangerous it was for everyone? Was... Mm -hmm had some time in the interim they thought they'd established some way to control her, which obviously does not work. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's just that Pearl thought it was too much and neither of the other two did. <laughs> mm. that, that was a little unusual now that you mention it, that Garnet was so dismissive of Pearl's concerns. She's just like, we don't need to be careful. We just need to be huge. Like, Come on. She's, she's usually a little bit, applies some judgment to 
to these situations and she completely dismissed what Pearl was saying. So maybe, and this is really shooting blind, maybe with Sugalite's desire to quite literally be herself, that has given her more, more ability, more strength this time around to stay fused because she wanted to. Mm. So it could have been that on previous occasions, she was more easily unfused. Whereas mm-hmm. Sugalite's going, oh, no, that little stimulus that usually separates me. No, oh, I want to stay Sugalite and smash some stuff. Right. Like I said, can... you've said, you've stayed together too long this time, which right. suggests there is an, an optimum time to be, if not fused specifically, at least fused as Sugalite and that the other two's personalities were starting to get lost in there. Right. I was going to say, if we can skip all the way to the end to talk about that, Pearl did seem, she seemed very concerned that they would lose themselves and you know, that that's a consequence of staying together too long. And obviously Pearl doesn't want to like invite Sugalite to hang out with her in the house. You know, she wouldn't fit anyway. Huh? She wouldn't fit anyway. Yeah. Well, how's she going to, she's just going to lift the roof off and chill on the couch and squash it or something. She would have made a lot more mess of the, of pizza. Pizza place. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I can't picture the team if it was Stephen Pearl and Superlight, you know. But yeah, she definitely wanted to stay existing and Pearl thought that was a bad idea. And the way she tries to appeal to them is to say that it was bad that they're losing themselves. And that was kind of an intriguing statement because there was no such uh, worry about Opal, probably just she would never stay fused with Amethyst that long. (laughs) Um, That suggests to me that staying, staying fused, even when you can stay fused longer, can be unhealthy for the component gems. I mean, here we've also got the very practical concern that staying fused in this form is dangerous to everyone around them. So even if she didn't care about Garnet and Amethyst losing themselves in the mix, there is a very good reason for Sugalite to be separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you value your homes <laughs> and your your temporary beach gems. The couple of times mm-hmm. we've seen we've seen though this once separated, the gems seem at least aware of what they were doing. Oh sure, but they don't seem to have, at least on the on these occasions, be unduly cross pollinated. Right. Uh, what we see each one separated still had only has their own personalities and traits and memories and things. I mean, mm-hmm. they have those, they have the memories of the fusion. Right. Of the but, collective. But we didn't Pearl after some time as Opal start eating expired fish burritos or anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's definitely a clean separation of those things and they don't, they don't come away with each other's tendencies. So um, that, I, mean, yeah. I mean, maybe that's something Pearl was worried about in terms of losing each other. That if you if you do this for too much longer, you you even if you separate, you won't separate properly or cleanly, and there might be bits mm. of you left in each other, or you might be incomplete because parts of your usual mm. identities have been taken from your component into the Sugalite hole. That's a really interesting theory. Yeah, I was like, I was thinking. Pearl and Amethyst together, they're always butting heads. They're always fighting. So I was surprised that their fusion was very, very peaceful and did not seem to be 
you know, a rage machine or anything. But then I never really got the idea that Amethyst and Garnet together were were violent at all. So I, I was really surprised that that was the manifestation that they took. You know, an angry fusion is is them. <laughs> there could be a bit of a opposites opposites attractor in this case opposites fuse. <laughs> but better thing because. With most of their traits being so different, finding mm-hmm. common ground might have been fairly mm-hmm. straightforward in terms of however this process works, of course. You know, I have, you know, I've done a lot of, a lot of thinking about, about these characters and there's, there's some aspects of it that I would like to talk about regarding Sugalite that I can't until we've seen more. Mm-hmm. But I think just from what we've seen up to this point that makes sense to analyze in this context, we've seen that Garnet is very stoic and she holds back a lot, like you were saying, that whatever she feels, we don't really know what it is. And it might be interesting that if she combines with Amethyst, maybe that almost gives her permission to be more demonstrative and stuff. And she doesn't have to hold this stoic mask because she's not her anymore. So it's like a chance to do that. Uh, Whereas Amethyst, I feel like she, you know, she's very, she's the opposite. She's you know how she feels and she's explosive about it all the time, but she doesn't get a lot of respect for it. Like nobody mm-hmm. is looking at her. Oh, Amethyst is mad. It's just like, ugh, Amethyst is having a tantrum. You know, it's never like, Oh, that's dangerous. That's scary. That's respectable. We should find out what she wants and treat it like it's serious. And I wonder if maybe combining with Garnet m- makes her feel like she can express her dissatisfaction with whatever's going on and people will take it seriously for once. And that's, that's kind of my surface level analysis of what might've gone on. In and I, I'd buy combo. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, even though I've seen a lot more, it's still kind of just my theory, my interpretation, but that's what I would say. <laughs> and possibly mm-hmm. to some degree when a fusion is first made, because we're pretty much seeing that a fusion maintains the identity from fusion occasion to fusion occasion so they're not sort of refusing from scratch every time right mm. it could be the first time that happens that you just don't know what you're going to get yeah um so that they might have for all they knew got amethyst enthusiasm tempered by garnet's usual restraint but they didn't. They got the raw power, the exuberance cancelling out the restraint, and as you say, wanting to wanting to lash out because you feel underappreciated and all compounding. So maybe with yeah, Sugalite pointed at them and said, "You left me behind." Like that was her beef. It's really yeah, interesting. which is a very I'm feeling underappreciated kind of line. Right. That's yeah. That's it's a very interesting. Mm, way to look at characters when you can roll them into another character. <laughs> so it could be mm. Opal is more coherent or at least calmer as a personality because her differing components don't have as much that would overlap and cause like a cascade. Mm. So well, of course, there's that chance that chancing Amethyst's desire to be messy isn't really going to have much to feed off with Pearl's desire to be clean. So they just mm. might not do anything to each other. Right. The, in the, action. Yeah. The, the sensations might not be able to play off each other in, in the makeup and they just don't form a granted. We saw Opal for all of two minutes, of course. So there could be more. Sure. Mm-hmm. But she did forget her mission. 
I mean, I, I could see that as amethyst not caring combined of Pearl can get easily distracted by little things. Yeah, and she felt like she did get something done, but it was saving Stephen, not finding the bug. <laughs> so that's another way the traits could have come yeah. together in an, in an unexpected way way and in, in this case it made the fusion slightly forgetful rather than violent because there might have been a, a right. lot fewer violent the- theories to go feelings to go around right yeah going kind of back to when they first formed opal you know and we we know from the way opal was introduced to us that you know pearl is explaining to us who opal is and then we get a short introduction to who sugalite is like they both kind of lead into this is who we're going to make but that Pearl was very, she, she was like, we don't do this unless it's necessary, unless it's absolutely necessary. And the way that they both didn't want to do it, it, it really seemed like they don't like doing it. They don't think about doing it. So it really, it really surprised me that when Garnet said, what we need is Sugalite Amethyst fuse with me and Amethyst, Amethyst flipped her lid and started screaming and she's so excited and stuff. It's, uh, it's clearly not her attitude toward fusion in general that she doesn't do it unless it's a, it's a final resort. It's only fusing with Pearl is the last resort. And it makes me wonder, like, you know, how come they, if, if they enjoy it so much, how come they haven't done it for recreation, you know? <laughs> I mean, I can see why you wouldn't want to do that with Sugalite, but... <laughs> so, this, I guess... About to get a bit grown up here. Ah. <laughs> this this brings a bit of a fusion as an analogy to to sex, mm-hmm. because well, you could easily imagine, and being fairly simple at this point, that if this is comparable, that amethyst would very much not want to have sex with pearl if she didn't have to. Sure, only and, if you had to. Yeah, obviously. There are certain things that I just can't, aren't going to translate in this comparison. <laughs> yes. But I don't know, obviously, Garnet's a much better time of that. But mm-hmm. the other thing that made me click on that was when Pearl tried to cover Stephen's eyes and she just looked yep. embarrassed at first. Oh, yeah, and she was blushing and acting mm-hmm. like he shouldn't, he shouldn't witness this. Mm-hmm. And, um, then, and then when you, you threw know. in the idea of doing it for recreation. Mm-hmm. So I think, well, well it's... Uh, while it doesn't make baby gems or anything, I think there are... It's a big one. <laughs> yeah, in fact, it's, it's the opposite of when humans do it. It makes fewer. That's, yeah, that's true. But I think there are parallels to be drawn, and that's probably Absolutely. as much parallel as we're going to get in a kid's show. Yeah, well, I don't think there was a whole lot of that idea coming up quite quite this, this early in the show, I guess. But if you really think about what it would be like if you had to trust somebody else to blend your bodies together. There is definitely that analogy there. Yeah. And <laughs> so, the blending bodies analogy. There's mm-hmm. only so many things humans do that. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, even if you're not doing it to enjoy intimacy, it's got to be intimate. It's got to be a something that you couldn't do with somebody that you wouldn't trust with yourself. Because, I mean, I don't know. They... They did kind of make a mess of it, so their 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 fusion was not so uh, successful for what they ended up wanting it to do. But then you have that they dance to form Sugalite, mm. and that was a pretty a pretty sexy dance. <laughs> well, yeah, especially Garnet, all the hip thrusting and things. 
oh my goodness. It was a little funny at first because you see what kind of dance is Garnet going to do. And then all of a sudden she's just, she's in it. She's, she's doing her, her all kinds of hip motions. Yeah, she's got rhythm. <laughs> she's got rhythm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, no, it's hard to, it, it was hard to picture her dancing before, before you see that. And then after you see it, it's just like, yeah, of course it would be like that. Mm. And, and they, they had no trouble synchronizing. Whereas Pearl and Amethyst, their styles of dancing were so wildly different that it was hard to find a balance. Whereas Garnet and Amethyst are not that different with their dancing. Yeah, and they they didn't have any false starts like mm-hmm. trying to make Opal. That's right. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if Pearl and Garnet have fused before, or if this was just a desperation attempt to not get Sugalite back out. Oh, you mean because when Pearl was saying you should fuse with me instead? Yeah. So I don't know if they have fused before and they know that their fusion isn't as physically strong as Sugalite, mm-hmm. or if they haven't and they, it's just that they know that Sugalite is big and strong and that's what they need. Right. Yeah. It, it seemed like Garnet was implying that Sugalite is huge and that's what we need and mm. that fusing with Pearl would not solve that. So I, I thought she was implying this is the huge one. We need the huge one. <laughs> Plus, I guess some part of her must enjoy letting loose like that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And Amethyst just like screaming like that. Like <laughs> people use reaction images of her doing that to react to things all the time. Still, you know, <laughs> this episode is years old and people still post, you know, moving pictures of Amethyst. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I think I've seen that as a reaction gift, but had no context for it until right now. Well, now you know. It's forming Sugalite levels of excitement. I'm going to get to wreck things. I like that Steven was also extremely excited about getting to see another fusion because he's he sort of helps you understand how excited you should be about things. <laughs> and I was. <laughs> yeah, because when they first said, I thought, oh, this is Sug- I didn't realize for that second before they explained that Sugalite was the next fusion. I thought right. this might be some other party they're going to send for. Right, right. Well, we need a Sugalite. And then she immediately tells you who it is. Yeah. So I only had about a second to think that. <laughs> right, right. I, I think a lot of people say, we need what? <laughs> is it a weapon? <laughs> is it another life cannon? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a fusion. Well, I was um, dimly aware it was a gemstone name in real life, so... I think I guessed it was some kind of being of some sort. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I liked her, her, her way of having four arms was really interesting. It's not like Opal had four separate arms and Sugalite had more like they were sort of coming out of the same shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. I liked, I liked how that looked. It looked really cool. Almost spidery. <laughs> yeah. So in, t- in terms of fusing two of them, that leaves the Garnet and Pearl fusion as the one we haven't seen yet. That is true. That is true. So I don't know if they can fuse all three, but they, if they could, they'd probably be holding back on that. Mm-hmm. That's a logical conclusion. Um, it might take some doing because they didn't say let's fuse all three of us since we're here. They obviously wanted something particular out of the fusion of the two. Right. I guess, I mean, you did call her, her weapon a wrecking ball, and it really looked like a very good, a, a very good weapon to get that done. Yeah. It is very interesting that this communication hub is 
making noise or something. It's making trouble. And they're not saying why that's trouble, but their, their thought is let's wreck it rather than like, let's figure out how to turn it off or block it or something. It's, I wonder what Pearl's plan was. <laughs> also says they don't need it. Either it's completely irreparable anyway, or they don't need it for communication anymore. Yeah. In fact, there's obviously not, not much gem communication going on at the moment because this week they're wrecking one. Last time they were grabbing bits to take home to Stephen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gather that stuff up and confiscate it. So what this says about the possibility of further actual separate gems out there, well, if they are, they're just not talking to them much. Yep. They don't give you much time to think about that either because then they just get you excited about the gem fusion. <laughs> yeah. so that's, a, that's a common thing on this show that because of the short lengths, we often go straight from point to point without stopping to deal with many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was no, we didn't see an extended fallout from the Sugalite fusion other than we deserve it. Yeah. Whereas if it was like a, a half hour show, we might have a further final scene where they discuss what a horrible thing that was and how they shouldn't be so ready to form Sugalite or something like that. Did you notice that one of the flying pieces of debris was what cracked the, what smashed the warp pad? No, but I can put it together. Mm-hmm. Right after they disappeared, after Pearl was like, we're going, and she takes Steven, they disappear, and then like a rock lands on it. So that's why she couldn't get back. Oh, of course, yeah. Let's see. What else was I going to say? Hmm. I mean, is, one of the things I've, and this is less about the fusion, I've only just started to comprehend that a lot of these places are actually on Earth. Mm-hmm. I thought many of them were often on other planets or other dimensions or something, and mm-hmm. For all I know, some of them could be because they don't always say, but now we're starting to see where warp pads are used to get from place to place. But when a warp pad is drowned or in this case smashed, there are mm. other ways to get around and maybe Sugalite simply walked from wherever they were. Yeah, it's, it's happened a couple of times now where they paddled back or Sugalite had to walk back. So uh, huh. obviously gems were pretty established on Earth if they have all these facilities for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it's a communication hub that's doing something it's not supposed to do. Let's see. Well, you could talk about some other stuff that is besides the fusion aspects, because some of those were interesting. I liked that Steven was trying to look like look and act like Sugalite. Like he has these mm. these glasses and he's all like, What's up? <laughs> yeah, that is very much a kid. I've just seen someone cool and comprehend nothing about them, but I want to it was make them cute. Sing. It was cute, and it was also sort of heartbreaking that Pearl was so put off by that. She's just like, "Oh, I want you to look up to me," but I'm, you know, I guess she knows on some level that she's kind of, she's the one that's not that much fun. She's the stick in the mud and stuff, and she's never going to be like the cool parent. And she wants him to look up to her too, you know. And she found his discarded pair of Sugalite like glasses, and yeah. she seemed to additionally despair when she saw them. Yeah. And again, this is one of those times where even even if Pearl is thinking of herself in this case, it is objectively a bad idea for Stephen considering to consider what we've seen of Sugalite so far as any kind of idol figure. Right. He's he's just seen her like her amazing power to wreck things, and he thinks she's just the coolest thing since sliced bread. And you know, Pearl knows that that kind of destruction is 
it, you know, it represents everything that she is against being out of control, being unruly, being destructive. And she doesn't, she doesn't want Steven to think that's what I want to be. That's strength. She's supposed to be helping raise his child. And that's not a value you want him to grow up with. Yeah. You know, and then he's trying to coach other people on how to be strong. And she's, she's over here singing this song about her kind of strength and how she wishes that that was cool to Steven. Mm. The idea so, of those people going off to get fit isn't a bad one in and of itself, but it'll probably also wear off as soon as Steven's fixation with Sugarlight fades. Right. Yeah. And that must've been kind of hard for him to see. Yeah, I, he's seen them fight each other a few times in certain conditions, but you know, it, it really seemed like Sugalite wanted to hurt Pearl. And Pearl um, really looked hurt, mm-hmm. especially in those last few close-ups before she temporarily gave up. Mm-hmm. Like with, yeah, the te- I- with the tears and or sweat and mm-hmm. running down her eyes and her nose and the little bruises and cuts and things. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't gruesome or anything, but she looked beat up. Yeah. She, she, it looked painful to look at in a way in a way that yeah. more gruesome things might not because it's a relatable thing. Right. Like yeah. the, this, um, this, it hurt me more to watch this than the sword stabbing because I've not <laughs> been stabbed, fortunately. Yeah. But I have yeah. had enough bruises and little breakages that I can feel what she's feeling there. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm trying to imagine like Sugalite coming back after she realizes she's destroyed this thing and she turns around and she sees nobody has been watching her and she's just put on this show and nobody's seen it and then she has all that time to walk across the ocean or whatever she did to start building this rage that all came out on pearl and you know she just shows up and she seems like she's just being a brat and she's mad for no reason but she was ruminating that whole time (laughs) yeah she's not the sort of being who calms down after a long walk Mm. No, she her, was ready to unload. <laughs> her fury was building with every massive step. Oh, yeah, and it sh- was shaking the beach. That was scary. You know, we've gotten a few moments with Pearl, I guess, you know, to see what's what's in her head, but this was a really interesting sort of touching and sad look at her. And this is definitely beyond the she's the prissy one who likes things clean thing. Right, even though as she's explaining this in a song she is folding shirts <laughs> well even that's kind of sad because it's like the, before this before this despair this is all she has left for herself it's just the cleaning she runs through mm-hmm. but at that point Sugalite's not even there so she might not even know if she's going to see either of them again right or she's just feeling like she'll give them some time and then she'll go back and get them so mm, it's it's hard to see her talking about how she wishes that he admired her. Mm. You know, because she's the most traditional parent also. She comes mm. across as the most traditional mother figure. So. Yeah, well, it's certainly not going to be Amethyst. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, and I guess she also had just been through this thing where Garnet picked Amethyst. Like, nobody likes to be the person who gets picked last. no. You know, and she even sort of sounded like she was begging. She's like, fuse with me instead. And Garnet's like, nope, screw you. <laughs> you know, but Garnet is not the, the one that comes across as emotionally sensitive to others. <laughs> Nor is the one who says, oh, since I've had an idea, I'm going to change my mind straight afterwards. Right. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Hmm. So I do hope those two at least learn to, I don't know, bench Sugalite, at least oh. until they can get a better idea of how to control her if they ever fuse her up to her again. Interesting choice of words. <laughs> Benching. So let's see. Yeah. If I were them, I would definitely bench her for a while. <laughs> yeah. I, and we're still learning, so I don't know if there are ways to force a separation on a gem. I mean, obviously it's not readily doable or Pearl would have done it, but right. I don't know if they can do some kind of the equivalent of post-hypnotic suggestion or if there's ah. some, you know, potion they can, they can take, which, you know, kicks in after half an hour and mm. drives the fusion's components apart or mm. if they can decide they'll have some little spot on the back of their neck that when someone hits it will just go bloop. Yeah, a little trigger to separate them. Like, like you know, taking apart a transformer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another interesting thing about this fight is it happened right there in front of several humans. They, you know, they had a front row seat, Lars and Sadie and Greg got to see this monster fight right there on the beach. That's yeah, gotta be scary. Lars is even, what the hell was that? He's just like, what just happened? Especially since uh, there's this Godzilla-sized monster coming to attack and they eventually get her to turn into two other people. Hmm. <laughs> two other people which are just saying, right. like, left to it. Right. <laughs> right. Mm. I mean, Greg's probably just gone, ah, it's magic, it's magic, it's magic. Ah, da, 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 da. I wonder if he's met her before. Probably That's not. Good question. Mm. I don't I don't know if he knows about fusing. I mean, it, it, it seems likely he does as if he was with Rose all that time, but we've never actually yeah. on screen heard him say, I know what fusing is. Right. You definitely haven't heard him talk about whether he, because it seems like at least for the two examples we have so far, they had gems fusing to fight or accomplish something extraordinary. And I don't know that Greg would have been around to see any special missions or whatever yeah. they probably would have been like let's protect the soft squishy person and not have him near us when we do gem stuff <laughs> so even if rose told him it might still be just an abstract idea to him mm -hmm. yeah also i believe when the earth starts shaking and pearl and steven are going to go outside you hear greg say what the hey is that <laughs> oh yeah i love that for so, some reason yeah he probably has not met Sugalite. Mm. Mm. That, and we do know he occasionally has a deliberate blind spot when it comes to magic, which is prob it's probably helping any lack of knowledge he demonstrates. Yeah. <laughs> but he sure was ready to help Stephen with his gym. So that was very sweet. Yeah. Even though I, he hasn't I like worked out moment. in decades. <laughs> I also like how he decides to join in with the kids, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it did feel a very genuine, I just want to bond with my son and his friends moment. Yes. No, I agree. And of course, Stephen waking up the next morning, he's like, I'm so sore from getting ripped. It's so, it's really relatable. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen Doms in a cartoon before. <laughs> yeah. It's just, sometimes you, you wake up after you overextended yourself and just like all the remnants of the lactic acid that has settled in your muscles and you're just like, I can't move. Ugh. Well, years ago when I went from zero to full spin class, I couldn't walk upstairs for a week afterwards. Whoa! I see. <laughs> mm. I liked how Lars could not open the jar and while he's talking about how manly he is, and Sadie opens it and he says, I'm not going to say thanks. <laughs> it's like, that's so classic. <laughs> mm. 
the, the, it's kind of cute that he handed it to her though <laughs> yeah these two obviously have maybe not an abusive relationship per se but a, at least one based on mutual snark mm. yeah i guess it doesn't it doesn't only go one way because it seems like lars is the mean one and sadie just takes it but she was willing to punch him <laughs> yeah. mm. i think so he cute. does it more readily and she sort of lets it build up for a good one yeah probably it seems like she would be the kind of person who would take it and take it and take it and then explode once in a while. Mm. Mm. Or she'd sit yeah. on a really good singer and just she'd let it wait until the perfect opportunity. <laughs> oh. And also, speaking of getting ripped, I really like the amethyst shapeshift and strong Stephen. <laughs> it was so that cute. That was cute, yes. <laughs> we need a Stephen at least this strong to do the job. It's all the me I could be. <laughs> it was really cute. Um, Oh, another design thing. I thought this this was weird when when Sugalite was pointing at the camera. Like you could see her her nails had these stars on them. Like her fingernail looked like she had nail polish going on that that didn't occur in most of the other scenes. Like mostly people are not drawn with fingernails or toenails in this show. So it was really I saw that and I'm like, whoa, those are fancy nails, Sugalite. <laughs> you gonna fight with those? <laughs> yeah, if, if cool. only, yeah. If only that would have brought it to a halt, and she goes, "Oh, I've knocked the stars off my nerve. So I have to stop now." <laughs> I I tried to do that to my nails once, and it didn't work very well. <laughs> no, I, I've I've done the occasional color. Well, they're all chipped off today. Done the occasional color or pattern, but I don't think I've done like a star or anything like that. Yeah, I I specifically tried to do sugalite nails. It did. Yeah, didn't come out right. <laughs> Well, stars are very much a costume motif in this show. Yes, yeah, yeah. After all that, she is, uh, Sugalite is still a crystal gem, so. <laughs> oh, well, let's see. I, I do have kind of a, a difficult, problematic sort of question for my probing question. Or do you want to go there or should we? Oh, let's go there. I go there. I don't know what kind of left field this might have us wandering off into, but I specifically wanted to ask this question on this one because I, I think that we have kind of touched on this before, but now that you know these characters well, for Garnet, Amethyst, Pearl, and Steven, do you see any, what would, what would you say your ideas of racial coding for them are now? I see. Starting from the obviously human one, mm-hmm. he appears to be white possibly with some jewish influence oh, um, very good <laughs> that's what i think too <laughs> there's the occasional shot where he reminds me of someone i know who's who's italian which is you can he could easily he could easily be both i don't know what background mm-hmm. of surname universe might be <laughs> <laughs> well he's based on rebecca sugar's brother stephen sugar and they are a half jewish family so i think that's pretty legit that's pretty fair to say yeah <laughs> And of course, we have no idea how ethnicity works once one of your parents is a gem who gives up her physical no. form anyway. So no. anything could have happened. Yes. Uh, going right back up the other end, height-wise, Garnet definitely seems to be co- coded visually black, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I, know, I know in... This is one of those things where I'm aware of two stereotypes that are actually each other's opposites. Yeah. You know, I know there's a stereotype of black people being angry or African-American people, as you say, being angry because it's not something that carries over to all countries. Mm-hmm. But there's also a stereotype I've seen of them being overly stoic and reserved. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. I, although I usually see that with black men, I guess. But the angry black woman is a thing. And I think you're right, though. It could be any gender. Yeah. And she certainly, she's certainly got the, the stoic thing going on. Whether you ascribe mm-hmm. that to a racial coding or not, it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. And she's got, in as far as one can of the cartoon, kind of an of African extraction face, mm-hmm. facial shape, I should say. Mm-hmm. And That's what I think too. Yeah, the the afro or her her pillow head, again yeah. allowing for for stylization. So Granted. Cute. Few people in Africa, as I know, have three eyes, so that's obviously just her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that is probably not a racial coding. <laughs> and her skin, her skin color. Well, it, even though it's not brown, it is fairly dark and of a shade closer to brown than others. She's not like dark uh-huh. green or something. Right. Um, it is kind of reddish. It is a kind of more reddish maroon thing, but it is definitely nearer to brown. Right. Right. Amethyst and pearl are much harder. <laughs> yeah. Amethyst, well, I've met people like her of all kinds of races, which is yeah. throwing off as far as the stereotypes go. There are lots of opinions about this, so whatever yeah. yours is is probably one of them. <laughs> I would I would say she's not necessarily inten- – I don't know if the coding's intentional. I don't know if any of the coding is actually intentional because I wasn't there when it was done. So mm-hmm. I'd say it's kind of – it's kind of come out as fairly white coded, but not necessarily pinned as so. If Rebecca Sugar came up and said, oh, I based her on this other person I know who's this other race, no, I'd go, okay, I guess I just got it wrong. I wouldn't go, I can't see where you're coming from with this. Right. She seems to have a lot of influences from a lot of places and she's purple, so it's hard. (laughs) Yeah, and also she's got a lot of generic cartoon aspects of being sort of squat and big round eyes and whatever you think about various human ethnicities and their eye shape, none of us have big circular saucepan size eyes. That's right. So there's that because she's so cartoonish, it, it is hard to draw on anything there. Mm-hmm. Whereas Pearl, Pearl I'd almost think was, and again, coding is weird because in some ways you're sort of looking into the des- designer's mind to make that call. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, of course, what I see may be nothing like what they intended or even something that ever occurred to them or vice versa, but more Eurasian, I would say. Mm-hmm. Just something about her, possibly because I know a number of people who are mixed Caucasian, East Asian descent people, that mm-hmm. there's enough of that that it just is fueling any of my interpretations. I see. And, in fact, one of them reminds me a lot of Pearl, so they're, they're throwing that off. Or, uh, not Pearl. Uh, Amethyst, so that's throwing me off already. <laughs> I see. Yeah. But again, it is always hard to tell because usually when you're talking broad strokes, the first thing you go to is, is skin color. And when skin is very pale greenish white or lavender purple, you're already out of the field of stereotyping or even mm-hmm. guessing. Right. I've seen some heated arguments about what, you know, some people won't accept that it's up to interpretation. They're like, no, this is here. Therefore you're racist if you don't see it or accept it. And I'm like, well, I don't go that far, but you know, people are very prone to kind of seeing themselves in somebody and say, well, I relate to this trait. So, you know, like some people will say that Pearl being fussy and overly proper and caring about grammar and stuff is kind of like the white lady stereotype. Whereas other people will say, no, I see her as she's Asian because 
you know, if she wasn't, then these kind of like the display of the martial arts that she did was like a weird caricature if it wasn't from her background. Or I, I remember some people saying she that there's the stereotype of Asian parents being really strict and she's really strict and cares a lot about, you know, your education and stuff. So there's like, there's kind of like these things that people are seeing in themselves and saying, this is what my mom is like, or this is what I'm like. And I see that in this character. So therefore, that's why I code them that way. Mm -hmm. I think Amethyst and Pearl are very difficult to, to, to pin down if anything was intentional. Yeah. And it's definitely, uh, you're going to bring what you know to the interpretation. Yes. For example, the, the, the sort of things I grew up with, the prettiness would be far more an English stereotype. I see. Because it was very much a sort of, and we're talking back in, way back in the 20th century sort of thing, that English would be very proper and exact and that would be how you did things. And mm-hmm. you can see those sort of traits turning up in, in Pearl. Mm-hmm. Whereas my Eurasian reading is because I know a lot of mixed race white Asian people mm-hmm. and they obviously feed into how I in, interpret things and if someone doesn't know as many people like that as I do, that might not be as much of a factor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I also depend, I also guess it depends on what angle you're trying to read coding from. Because right. to, to someone else, they might find Garnet's Englishness as some, as something, as the overriding influence in how they interpret right. it. I mean, right. she's, she's played by a lady who is English and black. So that's right. Obviously, any taking from a voice, both are valid. Right. Yeah, and some people do go to the voice actor and say, well, I'm going to say that Garnet is Black and both Pearl and Amethyst are Asian because their voice actors are Asian. Mm. But, but that's most of the cast, actually. <laughs> most of them are Asian. Most the, a lot of the voice actors, I should say, are Asian. Yeah, but to me, that doesn't necessarily connect because I've seen so many things where people deaf are definitely voicing someone of a different race, even in human terms. Yep. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Well, some people have also said that they code Amethyst as black because she is given a lot of American slang that is African-American vernacular kind of Mm. stuff where, you know, if you don't want your character to be read that way, then you're basically accepting the opposite, which is that she's appropriating that language. And it's like, it's kind of, it gets complicated. And kind of the reason I wanted to talk about that on this episode is that it's a controversial one because of Sugalite, because lots of people view Garnet and Amethyst as women of color, as standing for women of color versus Pearl as they see her as white. Like, this is this interpretation. Obviously, I'm not saying that she is meant to be read that way, but they're like, okay, you take the, the, the two, you know, you take these two characters that from this perspective, they're saying they're the, they're the black ones or the women of color versus like the prim and proper, smart, skinny white one. And you put them together and they're a disaster and they're violent and out of control and they have to be put down by the white lady. Like, you know, that is an interpretation that has happened on this show. And I mean, I kind of exaggerated it, but that's, that's sort of the thrust of it. And I can't entirely say that that's wrong because obviously that's not my background. I'm not a person who could be hurt by the angry black woman stereotype mm. or by the white savior or whatever, you know, and I, I don't really... I don't really put a lot of coding onto either Pearl or Amethyst, but I'm also not trying to see myself in them. So Yeah, yeah. well, un- until I hadn't even th- thought much about, especially with Amethyst, until you sort of called on me for d- a decision. And <laughs> as I said, I've met, like many of us have met 
amethysts of any yes. kind of race. Absolutely. So in that sense, in that sense, especially because you're so cartoonish, you could you could almost make the co- the controversial statement that in human terms she's almost not any particular race at all. She hasn't got this. Mm-hmm. She hasn't got the skin color, the hair color. She's got next to no cliched traits physically. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've all met someone who's short and a bit chubby. And again, there is certainly, that's certainly not exclusive to any particular race or extraction. Right. So in some ways, Amethyst just is. It's almost yeah. like she actually is the thing that you usually call people out for saying in a discussion about race of real people. Right. So <laughs> when people say, oh, I don't see race about real people, that's a problematic thing to say. Less right. problematic about this <laughs> jumpy purple cartoon woman. Yes, exactly. Also, I don't know if the individual artists also bring their own interpretations to the various characters when they get mm-hmm. to it because everyone, not everyone is just drawing the design sheets every right. time. And I took this, I also took this more in a visual sense for, for a lot of it. But yeah, so some, someone of a particular race or is more familiar with a particular race may lend that to their particular rendition of a character, even if another creator doesn't. Right. Yeah. I kind of feel like I can't make a really strong statement one way or the other, because, I mean, let's face it, my interpretation as a white lady about whether this is racist is completely useless. Yeah. But At best we can uh, surface it. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I don't want to be like, well, maybe my favorite show is racist. But some people try to argue like they have several. I mean, they they definitely have a lot of people of color working on the show, but they they explicitly have black artists drawing the show. The big thing is that they didn't have any black women. And so it's kind of maybe something that if a black woman had been involved in any of the consultant part of this or the developmental aspects of it, they may have said, maybe we should do this in a slightly different way or make sure that this coding is not read that way before we imply that Pearl being the skinny white intellectual will be more powerful and outsmart the nation of these other two who are more traditionally read by more people as people of color. So, you know, the idea that she's, she's kind of design wise, she's, she's an unruly mess and she's scary and she's a monster, you know, it's like, well, I mean, I can see why some people would say that is, that is a terrible anti, anti black thing to portray in for women. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like, whatever actually came through is very different from reading intent into it. I think at, at worst it's, mm. it's obliviousness to how it might be received. Yeah. Which do, it doesn't necessarily absolve anything that may or may not have gone wrong with the execution, right. but it does put it in a different light. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know what the designer or any of the subsequent artists had as particular intention mm-hmm. and how much they thought about it would relate to anything else. I mean, some of these stereotypes have only come familiar with recently because they are very American stereotypes and right. different stereotypes for different groups of people apply if you're coming from Australian context or a British context or somewhere sure. else entirely. Mm-hmm. I think mostly repeating what I've seen a few people discuss and Kind of if I move away, I guess, from the racial aspect of it, there's still this idea that Garnet as a person and Amethyst as a person 
even if you don't code them as any type of human, the idea that they are this unacceptable mess together is a little bit like you want to see it addressed. You hope that in the future of the show, they're going to talk about this and say, maybe we need to talk about our relationship. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Mm, but there will be some opportunities for this to be revisited. <laughs> I mean, I would guess that at most the writer for the storyboard have probably thought, hey, we've seen a good fusion. What if we see one that's messed up? Mm, and right. didn't you're still doing it from the people we know. So it's like you're going to have to choose somebody's fusion to be that. And it's like, oh. Yeah. It's what happens when you don't think beyond a, a premise. It's that they mm-hmm. didn't. We had this in another movie reviewed on Postplantation recently. There was lots of unfortunateness in what we saw on screen. But when we saw interviews with the director, we realised he'd just come up with a premise and not actually thought of anything that weighty behind it. I see. Mm. And possibly not thought of something that weighty after he'd thought of the premise. Mm-hmm. So it's less a case of the transgression being... you. Th- you did this from a bad place, but that they should have done more after they'd come up with it to see how it was going to land. Right, or at least done some research into maybe sensitivity readers. Is anybody going to have reactions that we are not equipped because of our background to see coming? Yeah, exactly. And don't just go, oh, I don't mean this to be racist or sexist in the case of the other movie and kind of dust your hands on it from there. At At the very least you know, talk to someone of the relevant demographic. Mm-hmm. This isn't foolproof, of course, because people are still people and not ev- you can't always, you can't always anticipate how something's going to be read once it gets out to the right wider world, but you Absolutely. can try to mitigate the effects or head off potential problems before you get there. Mm-hmm. I've also seen kind of a, a an occasional negative reaction to how Garnet just tells Amethyst, well, we deserve that. You know, she doesn't have anything to say for herself. Neither of them are ready to defend what they did or shed any light on why they acted like that. They're just like, yeah, we deserve that. We're, we are completely in the wrong and we need to just let her crow for a while. And I think that's pointing to the scene that earlier I said wasn't there, that in this show, it just ends there. In a longer show, right. they would have an s- extra scene would probably have things like that. I mean, right. they, prob- they probably wouldn't sit down and discuss, how does this look in terms of human race relations? Because that would be, <laughs> no. that would be a bit out of story. No. But yeah. they could have a discussion about, about some things in terms of their own co- culpability for their recent actions. Yeah. Yep. Certainly say that. Mm-hmm. I also just wonder if some of those conversations that we don't see on screen, like if they're happening or if you can maybe glean that there's evidence that it has happened or, oh, they're acting like this now, they must have figured their stuff out. So there's there's a lot that goes on outside of the frame with them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we saw the first time that things came to a head between Amethyst and Pearl, and I don't think we've seen the last of it either. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't think it's a spoiler to say you are right, okay? Let's go into music because we had our much-needed song this week. Yeah, I I poker-faced a little bit when you said that in the last episode. Oh, we're due for a song. (laughs) 
But then you said maybe episode 25. So I'm like, okay, she doesn't just like psychically know it's going to be next song. <laughs> I was just picking good round numbers like 20 and 25. Yeah. But we did, we did finally get a song. It wasn't a solo for Pearl, but she had a solo verse. And then she sang it with Steven. And uh, that is, I love that song. I've heard negative opinions of it, but I really love Dee Dee Magno Hall's singing voice. She's amazing. And I liked it. I liked the call and response style. Mm-hmm. It was the same too. problem. We saw it from Pearl's inner turmoil and Stephen's outer enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really, I wasn't expecting kind of a, a peek inside, like a direct peek inside of her thoughts while she's kind of talking to herself like you do when you're in a musical, you know, it's really very interesting and very soulful. And I, I was really delighted to see that there was going to be singing like this in the song, in the show. <laughs> Um, and apparently this confirms for us this is one of the worlds where people notice that people break into musical numbers. <laughs> yes, yeah. The last big song was uh, was Giant Woman and it was picked up by Opal who sang it back to Steven, so he must have actually been singing it earlier. This time... It's really, really cool. <laughs> Lars noticed and it was far less flattering. Yep. yep. Singing some dumb song. Also means that whatever else is going on between people, they have the ability to communicate when they're singing a particular song and one another should take over for the, their verse. Yeah. I'm thinking about it and really like, I guess the four big songs so far, they were all songs in universe. Cookie Cat, obviously, and then listening to Greg's song on the CD. So, hmm. Interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's an unmentioned gem power that Stephen just somehow <laughs> knows it's time for his... He's first to kick in that Pearl's done with hers for now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know he was watching through the window, but, you know, then he's just like, okay, it's my turn. I got a megaphone. See, that's another interesting thing that they do sometimes with Steven's perspective. Like if you seem to be seeing a gem doing something alone or whatever, they'll throw in like one little detail as to how Steven is observing this so that we can have an excuse to put it in the show because everything's from his point of view. It's pretty cool how they do that. <sighs> The lyrics of this, I mean, I guess it's not that different from any, you know, Disney song or whatever, but I appreciate that sometimes when Steven sees things that are not necessarily cultivated specifically for him to to observe, like then they're not communicating to him, he's being communicated to, and he's overhearing something like Pearl singing. It's interesting that she's using like bigger words or more complicated sentences which I find refreshing for adults who express themselves like adults out of kids' hearing range, you know? And she's just like, was the, the line of, why do you have to look up to her aside from in a... In a, in a literal sense. Literal sense. That was a really interesting framing of that. <laughs> wonder if he understood. <laughs> I think sometimes he comprehends more than he knows he comprehends. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <sighs> she wants to inspire him. She wants to be his rock, which is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pearls aren't one. really rocks. <laughs> yeah. So it's both in the sense of being a rock and in fact, not being a rock. Oh, that's right. There's also some pretty cool music behind the fusion dance. It was, if I recall correctly, it's called Synchronize slash Sugalite. And then when she comes back and she's mad, it's called Sugalite Returns or something like that. Really interesting presentation, I guess, because they, they try to fuse the instruments that go with the characters. And so there's this really interesting sort of echoing percussion, which Amethyst is drums. And of course, the, the bass figures in there for Sugalite. So it's like 
such a sort of intimidating song. Yeah, well, the two fusions <laughs> we've seen so far, they've done a good job of, well, fusing the musical styles to go with it without <laughs> it being too abrupt or standing out. Right. Yeah, I like that. And again, I really like the idea of taking the instruments rather than just specific music, because that way you can change the mood of it to fit. It's cool. I like that. I believe there was like some piano in there while Pearl was fighting her too. So that was... Piano is definitely Pearl sing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that fits the best for me. Pianos just sound like Pearl for some reason to me. Yeah. Come on. You don't think drums sounds like Amethyst? (laughs) It's not that I don't. I just think the piano in Pearl seems the best fit of the ones. I see. I could definitely see that because everything about piano really goes with her very well. Strong the real way. Hmm. Hmm. It's, it's also interesting that they chose her to be first to get a song besides Stephen among the gems. I wonder if that was just a product of the plot. I, I don't know how they work out when they're going to do or not do songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rebecca Sugar has talked about this a little bit where she said, I want my show to have a fair amount of music in it, but I don't want it to feel like there has to be a song in every episode. I don't want it to be a thing. And she's kind of taken that idea from musicals that you sing when that's all you can do, when you have so many feelings that the only way you can bring it out is in the song. So so people sing when they're emotional or they really want ice cream. But this time it it didn't, everything, it didn't, everything didn't stop for the song or rather it's true yeah it kind of did but it's perfectly part of the plot that's a good point because workout montages to music are a thing in in movies Mm -hmm. and now we kind of braided that into pearl's feelings about what's Mm -hmm. going on and we got our workout montage too (laughs) and just for the simple idea huh just for the simple idea of the conflicting ideas of what strong in the real way can mean. Yes. And I got to say, seeing Steven running around with four tires, like carrying four tires around his body, that is not easy. <laughs> no, I imagine it's not. But that's, I just found it funny. Yeah. So he's strong in some way. <laughs> and it's probably real. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> mm. oh. I bet you can't guess what my food is. <laughs> there is one <laughs> go on yeah this one was complicated for me there's not much food in this episode but we did have Lars and his jar of what he was trying to eat it was oh, a jar of herring right. ah okay I was mentally know. scrolling back through the episode trying to work out what the food was and the answer is in Lars's jar <laughs> he had a sandwich uh, too but I guess mm-hmm. a sandwich, sometimes a sandwich is yep, right he had sort of bag lunch which made me think like is he taking lunches to work or like who's feeding him but yeah he had a sandwich and he had this jar of herring it turns out it was herring and there was a donut on the table too they seem to do this ridiculous thing in that donut shop where they'll just put a donut on the table with no napkin or anything they're animals i swear to god i was also uh, thinking is that last donut because you know surely he's sick of donuts for lunch by now (laughs) right but we do see them eat them once in a while Particularly Lars. I don't know that we've seen that much so far, but I've seen it a bunch of times. But being that I'm a vegetarian, just going out and buying a jar of herring was not a thing. So I was like, let me see if I can recreate this. And I decided Ah. to get creative. And I'm a ridiculous person. You already know this. So I actually went and I got, have you ever seen what an oyster mushroom looks like? 
No, I'm guessing it's at least partly in the name. They're kind of creepy looking. They do look a lot like fish. It's weird. I got myself by just looking up an image on on the iPad. Yeah, oyster mushrooms are definitely a different kind of mushroom than like the button kind that I usually eat. And I got a can. I got a can of them because I figured that would make them slimier and fishier. I'm very dedicated to my art, as you can see. And I took a bunch of these mushrooms. I put them in a in a saucepan and I boiled them with some like the kind of seaweed that you roll up sushi in and some soy sauce to make it taste fishy. And, you know, then I did what I do every time I'm ridiculous is I made some can art and I put, put it together and we have a a can of herring that I put with a donut and I made a little sandwich. There's, there's no cheat sheet for what that sandwich is. Sadly, there's a, there's a, model sheet for it believe it or not and it just says sandwich (laughs) so I just kind of concluded it was a peanut butter sandwich I made a peanut butter sandwich to go with it and I ate that and the mushrooms are were disturbingly fishy and my kitchen smelled like fish so at least that means it was like fish that's good Hmm? at least that means it was authentic yeah I wouldn't do it again (laughs) But that's kind of the, the name of the game with these experiments. It was fun, you know, and there wasn't really anything else to make. And if there's, if there's something like that, I like to try, at least try. Yeah. So it was fun. It was definitely one of the things that I, I made it much more recently because I'm, I'm down to, I'm still not out of Steven Universe recipes to make, but I'm, I'm doing sort of like none of the iconic ones have gone on made, unmade yet. And the ones like this that everybody just kind of forgets exist I'm making those now. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. Yeah. Herring and sandwich, lunch complete. <laughs> yeah, well that, one, that one almost passed me by and only just watched the episode. So that, this is how deep you're cutting on some of them. Yes. So now you know how to make a fish out of a mushroom. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I'm allergic to mushrooms. So. You're allergic to mushrooms. I never knew that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It restricts me from a lot of... Otherwise, good vegetarian food choices. Yeah, I'm not allergic to them, but I really dislike onions and peppers. So same for me. I don't know. I might be slightly allergic to peppers because I can't even walk near where somebody's cooking or mm-hmm. eating peppers on a pizza or something, and my I, eyes will start to like run. bell peppers. Yeah, it's just even a little bit of that whatever that spice is. If it's anywhere, I will react to it. I really hate that mm. stuff. Capsaicin. Onions, it's cold are fine, but I can't eat them. Huh? Capsaicin. That's the, the stuff that... Capsaicin. That is what it is. Mm. That is the bane of my existence. Uh, it is the joy of mine. Ah, well, good for you. You can't eat mushrooms, so you need to be allowed to have something. That's <laughs> <laughs> to try to make... Well, you probably could... If you put your mind to, you probably could make fish out of peppers. Ah. Or you could just eat fish if you eat fish. Oh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> I yeah. Maybe like peppers, but I like fish. Hmm. See, I try to make like recipes. I try to make them as much like the thing as possible, even if the thing itself is improbable, like with the tuna burrito and stuff. <laughs> I at least used fake tuna and I tried to make it seem rotten, but I wasn't going to actually have rotten food. Um, I was going to say, you didn't get so dedicated to the bit that you left it, in, left it under the sink for six months or something. No, I think uh, their quote was five years, so I'd have that would be a long game to play. Yeah, your guests would start making excuses pretty soon. I just wouldn't have guests anymore. Mm. 
just just recently I was playing around on one of my blogs saying, what does everybody think the hardest and weirdest Steven Universe foods are? Because I wanted somebody to say something and I would be able to be like, bam, I've made it. But somebody said the entire together breakfast monster. <laughs> and I'm like, stop it. That's not food. Nobody mm. tried to eat that. <laughs> <laughs> the other way around almost. I know. I mean, I've made the together breakfast and in fairness, no one ate that either. But, you know, at least they were going to. They were planning to. At least it was actively food. It was. Yes, it did not house the soul of a monster. Anyway, so I was kind of disappointed that that was... I got a suggestion early on for something that I, in fact, had not made and would not make. So I had to make an excuse for why I wouldn't do it. But then I got a few suggestions for, uh, you know, would you ever think of doing this? This might, this might be impossible, they said, but have mm-hmm. you thought of this? And I had done it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's not something that I can share yet because it's episode 117. <laughs> right. I do know enough to know you would go, this sounds impossible. I do not know that word. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the big the big difficulty is trying to make it similar enough to the thing that it's not just like, oh, you made a cake in that shape again. Good for you, you know. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to do that. the spirit of it. Yeah, so canned mushrooms that taste like fish. That's what I do. I have some factoids for you. Let's go. The borders are Raven, Malisi, and Paul Valeco again. So probably some of the weird Sugalite faces were Paul faces. I don't know which ones. I'm not an expert. Um, she was made for doing weird faces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like when the thing falls on her head and all of her eyes bulge out. <laughs> like a, you know, totally cartoon character, Wiley Coyote kind of stuff. And then, poof, the tagline that I wrote down over here was after, this This is such a spoiler. It says, after seeing Garnet and Amethyst fuse into the powerful Sugalite, Steven is determined to become super strong. I'm like, you spoiled the fusion. Yeah. How rude. <laughs> it's terrible. You could bypass that. You could say just after an adventure, Steven becomes the term to become super strong. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, a lot of these are written for people who have seen it already and they're like, oh, where's the Sugalite episode? You didn't by any chance recognize her voice, did you? Not immediately. I have a feeling you're going to tell me a name I know, though. It's freaking Nicki Minaj. Oh, whoa. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Get this junk off my, off my beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I... A lot of people were really surprised that they were able to book somebody that famous. And to date, she's certainly the person with the highest net worth that has done a voice on, C- on Steven Universe. Yeah, she is certainly person on the street level name recognition. Yep. And they didn't even have a rap. Come on. She even has a, a rap name called Monster or I'm a Monster or something. It's like, come on. <laughs> really but like that's, that's pretty pay good. A, like 50,000 a word or something. No, you know, there's a lot of jokes about like this is why they made their fusion so destructive because they can never have her again because they could never pay Nikki again. I've gotten into a lot of arguments over this actually, where you know, people will say the studio was so short sighted or the writers were being stupid for giving such a big voice actor this part because then they can never use their own character again and i'm like well they could recast if they couldn't get her again yeah. but i Shows honestly have done don't that before that much about money. huh Shows have done that before 
oh yeah, well, this show has done it, but not as such. But, you know, they've recast a couple of characters, which I will tell you about when it happens. But with someone like her, it's like she's so rich that money is basically meaningless. So it seems like it would be more about whether they could get her to have... I would think more more about availability. Yes. I mean, I'm sure that booking her is more expensive than booking a no-name person, but I just feel like maybe rumors of how expensive she must be are probably exaggerated because it just seems like it wouldn't be prohibitively expensive for them to get her now that the show is so much bigger if they could get her for episode 20. Yeah, and she was already Nicki Minaj by that point, so... Yes! Oh, yeah. I mean, she's been famous for such a long time, and she was a huge name at the time. I I don't know why they decided, oh, they really want Nikki to do Sugalite. I mean, it's such a funny thing to be like, you're going to be this angry character that gets bopped in the head. But, you know, some people have said, you know, made up lies about, oh, well, Nikki refused to do it unless they paid her a million dollars. And I'm like, no, no, quote me the source on this, because I don't think that happened. You know, it's possible she turned down a chance to reappear, but, you know, you don't know that. Nobody knows that. There aren't any stories about this, her refusing to show up or whatever. It's like, come on. They probably knew they wouldn't be using this character very much. (laughs) No, yeah, and I too find, while I wouldn't deny money could be a factor, I would think it more likely that it comes down to, well, we we need these vocal tracks down by the end of the week and... Nikki's on a 12 concert tour of Europe. Right. But the lady who plays Pearl is, she has been in a couple of big musicals since booking this role and they had to go around her tour schedule or her performance mm-hmm. schedule. And Estelle is an international superstar. You well, know, yeah. She's a regular. So it's like, it, it just, it seems like for her, it was probably more like a one-off. They were like, we're, this is not going to be that important that we need her that often. It's more, it's a bit of fun. We can get Nicki Minaj to do, to do mm-hmm. this. I don't know when or if we see Sugla again, but. They made similar jokes about Opal though. Cause I mean, Amy Mann is, I think people underestimate how, how famous Amy Mann is. Cause she's also one of the highest net worth people who has appeared on this show. I mean, granted it's like, she's something like 10 million and Nikki is more like 87 million. So it's a big difference. But, you know, she's still a huge name and not all that available. And not that many people were saying, oh, you know, this is why Opal hasn't appeared in this many episodes because no one can pay Amy Mann. They just, people don't know who she is. Like the younger people don't know who she is. Mm -hmm. I know who she is. I'm old. But, (laughs) you know, she's uh, well known in the circles that I move in, at least. So anyway, Nicki Minaj was through the light. And I also... This is an interesting factoid is that I heard this episode was released in a whole bunch of other countries, not the United States, before it was released here. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that happening with other shows. So I'm not surprised it popped up sooner or later on this show. Uh, yeah. Every so often it happens with, with the Transformers series. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Often, in fact, it seems to be a trend lately. I think they must like do the whole season at once and just sh- ship them out. Because often while the United States and Canada are getting them week by week, then we hear that towards the start of the season, that somewhere usually in the Middle East or East Asia has just dropped the entire season in one afternoon. Oh, wow. See, that's never happened with this show, but sometimes just an episode like this, a single episode is 
on TV in a bunch of other countries and not the United States. I don't think it's by design. I don't think it's you know intentional with the United States Cartoon Network, but somehow it happened. And I was not in the fandom yet. I was one of the people that started watching in 2015. And this episode, I believe, aired in 2014. So I was not part of the whole freak out when, you know, these episodes and what happened in them was out there on the internet, but it hadn't been on TV. I mean, you can imagine an episode like this would have got around. People would be like sharing screenshots of what Sugalite looks like and stuff like that. And there's a song and it's a new fusion and Nicki Minaj does the voice and all the, you know, ah, I'm sure it made a big deal. I wrote down the list of which countries is South Korea, Canada, Latin America, India, and Bangladesh. Rather specific. Yeah, I was already part of the fandom when there was a series of, I think, three episodes that aired in France before they aired here. And if you wanted to grab a France stream and watch them, you could go spoil yourself if you wanted to. But those ones had uh, French titles, but they were dubbed in. They were in it in English. They were available in English. Yeah, I've, so. I've heard. I've heard on some shows of Canada in particular getting ahead because often they start off in sync with the US and then some, and then a holiday or an event happens in the US that preempts the show for that week but doesn't happen in Canada, so they just keep going. Oh, wow. Okay. They're like, whatever, this is, this is ours. <laughs> yeah. Like Canada's not going to um, necessarily take off the Super Bowl weekend or something. No. <laughs> but if it was hockey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another stereotype, but I've heard enough Canadians talk about it to go, well, some stereotypes are earned. The last factoidy thing I can tell you is about Garnet's dancing. Oh, yes. Um, I liked her dancing. Yeah. They based the dancing of the different characters on, you know, existing real styles of dance, of course. So, of course, you'd, you'd recognize ballet as Pearl, but an amethyst is like sort of a club dancing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Garnet's is a very specific one. It's called whacking. Oh, I don't know that. that. But it has its roots in 1970s queer discos. Oh. (laughs) And I'm like, yes. Right. Um, A lot of arm movements, a lot of, you know, stuff that we just saw. (laughs) We're sneaking our rainbows in early. Yeah. I believe it was started in Los Angeles. So Hmm. awesome from the disco era. I was going to put a thing to myself (laughs) to learn more about that. Yeah, I mean, if you ever Google or look on YouTube for people doing whacking, it's spelled W-A-A-C-K-I-N-G, I think. And if you Google that, you'll see people dancing like that. And it's really interesting to look at that and be like, yeah, I could see Garnet doing all of that. Because, <laughs> of course, I've looked at that. <laughs> I just bookmarked right. a thing for myself. Brand spanking new, mint in box. The only thing left on my agenda that I haven't done is my merch stuff. Yes, let's see the kit. Yeah, I'm still disappointed that they've not given us any merchandise related to Sugalite. They they haven't exactly, but I kind of lied to you when I said that they hadn't done that for Opal because they <laughs> kind of have. Well, this is my poster that has Sugalite on it. Well, I like that. So That's nice and stylized. It's got a cool design where they've got Garnet and Amethyst on the top of it. I'm trying to hold it so that... You can see it in the camera, but I don't know if you can see Garnet and Amethyst on there. Yeah, I and can see them. They they kind of have Sugalite at the bottom with these these cool like stylized things. But anyway, this is a poster, and it's I've never seen 
this poster for sale before or after I bought it. I saw these people were sharing designs of them, but you could only buy them if you were going to have them for like wholesale or whatever, like your big box store or something, you could get it, but there was no way to buy it. And I'm like, well, I see the designs, but they don't sell them. So and I'd never seen anyone say they had them. There were rumors of these posters. And then one day I saw an entire case of them on eBay. So I bought it. Here's uh-huh. the case. Oh, sweet. It's pretty cool. It looks like it's for a store. And this was like 15 bucks for all of them. It's, oh, that's not bad, it's a whole then. store display. And there were 18 posters and there was one of each design and I got all of them. So they're nice. all up in my house. Nice. I didn't want to take down all of them because they're, they're like Velcroed to my wall. But I also decided to show you the opal one because an opal one in the similar style does exist. Oh, that is cool. But I, I like this no, style. Yeah. yeah. There, but there's no like real physical merchandise. It's just, you know, picture. But there are 18 of these posters and a few of them are still spoilery. So I can't show you the whole wall. But it is really cool because like five of them are locker posters for kids. You know, you can put them in your locker. And I found a way to frame them and I put them in my hallway. And the other 13 of them are up in my in my bedroom. It's like a whole wall of these <laughs> mini posters. They're not very big. So they're really interesting designs. Some of them are straight up like screenshots from the show. But most of them are more stylized like that. Like they'll take art and uh, like existing stuff for merchandising and they'll throw it together with cool colors. <laughs> so I think that's really the only stuff that exists that has opal and sugalite on it, except for, I guess, some trading cards and stuff. It is pretty cool what it is, though. I'm really impressed by that kind of art and stylizing, though. Oh, you like it? Oh, yeah, cool. I really do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've showed the posters to people online and they're like, where did you get that? And I'm like, I can't help you. I asked the eBay person and they wouldn't answer me. Where did you get that? How did you get your hands on this? Never seen them for sale. It's frustrating. And they're so cute too. Like the little tubes they come in. They've got like a little star on the end of them. Ah, uh, oh, there's the star. And they, they're just these cool little tubes. They're fancy. That's why I didn't get rid of them because I just put them back together and put them up in my house. <laughs> Anyway, so that's my merch nerd stuff for the day. I want there to be Funko Pops of these fusions, but there aren't. <laughs> oh, see, they'd be ideal for those larger scale ones they make. Yeah. I tried to design some. I tried to design some characters that should exist because they've been so weird about what they've made. They've made the main four and then they made glow-in-the-dark versions of the main four and they made Lion. It's and, weird uh, what does and doesn't get to be a Funko Pop. I can see yeah. no pattern of in it in any franchise. Yeah, like why don't they have Greg? They don't have Greg? Why? They did make Connie. Oh, that's something. I like Connie. Yeah, and there's some other characters that I can't bring out yet, but I was very surprised that they didn't make these fusions because they, they'd be so cool. They'd be, like, they'd be great for the style, like you said. I, I tried to design. Actually, when I tried to, I, I'm not very good at designing things that are digitally colored or look three-dimensional, but I, I tried for this. And the one that I made that I thought Sugalite should look like was probably the best one. <laughs> oh, awesome. It looked the coolest. So, oh, you um, still have those designs? But, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool to see. 
Yeah, I'll have to share them. Like when I tried to make one for Opal, it's just like, it looked too much like the actual character. It didn't look as much in the Funko style. But for, for Sugalite, I managed to get her to have like a big head like you're supposed to and everything. <laughs> and the forearms and everything. It looks cool. <laughs> or at least some kind of cool toy. Like, you know, they should have one with the, the wrecking ball action. I guess technically the name of that weapon is a flail. Yeah, most flails aren't so huge, even in relation to You're the right. user. So I have no problem thinking of, a, of it as a wrecking ball when it's at that scale. I think wrecking ball is better in both imagery and function of what she used it for. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's certainly that. <laughs> so I will accept wrecking ball. Well, he called it wrecking ball thingy, didn't he? Steven said wrecking ball thingy. Oh yeah, so he did. And I think that's legit, but I think that they have elsewhere called it a flail, like in merchandising or something, like listing what her weapon is, but I can't be sure. But I think they did say that. Just showing off they know what a flail is. Yeah, I'm not good with weapons, so I'm just like, okay, it's whatever you say it is. I know what a bow and arrow is. <laughs> Thanks, Opal. <laughs> yep. Well, that is that. Yeah, I think I'm done. I think Anything I am else? too. We, we, we went deep on, on identities and things. I was hoping this one would be an opportunity to do that, because I really like to talk about it. <laughs> Oh, I do too. And certainly it also goes hand in hand with my general fascination with gem biology and culture and how they must work on any level. Yeah. Well, I hope that we give you many more opportunities to discuss this in detail in future episodes. I know I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Yep. All right. So I guess let's wrap that up on this note. Yeah. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed our digressions into gem culture. Yes. (laughs) See you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) You've been listening to Ivy and Daria on Not So Giant Women. You can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up Not So Giant Women on YouTube or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice. You can also find us on Facebook. Audio production by Daria. Video production and music by Ivy. Daria can also be heard on Podsploitation, the Osploitation podcast. And Ivy at her Steven Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended.